Hi, and welcome to Good Change Conversations with myself, Christy Hunter, and Stina Smith. We're here to inspire everyday people to do good things. Good changes come in all shapes and sizes in the form of products, mindsets, routines, and more. Each episode, we're going to introduce you to small changes that will help you and the environment. We hope you take away at least one of these and change for the better. In the wise words of Elvis Presley, clean up your own backyard first, and then the world's. Focus on the small changes. Don't try to do everything perfectly. Just little bits, one step at a time. It all began in March 2014 when a group of like-minded individuals got together to discuss setting up a food rescue organisation in North Canterbury. From this, Satisfy Food Rescue was born. Philippa Hunt and her dedicated team are all passionate about reducing food wastage and making healthy food available to everyone. A food rescue organisation basically acts as the middle person between the food industry, i.e. food retailers, wholesalers or growers, and existing local community organisations or local charities, for example, food banks, that are already helping out those in need. Stina and I are really delighted to welcome Philippa Hunt here today, the founder of Satisfy Food Rescue, to talk us through her initiative and about following a passion to make a difference in the world. So welcome, Philippa. Um, it's great to have you here today. And uh, so just tell us a bit more about what Satisfy Food Rescue actually is and a little bit how it came about. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Um, so you gave a really good little summary there of what Satisfy is all about. So that was a good starting point. But yeah, so we're, we're a food rescue organisation. We rescue food that would otherwise be heading to waste, like landfill or to um, animal feed. And we, and, but it's still good for eating and we make sure it gets to people who really need it. So we, we don't work directly with individuals. We collect the food, uh, sort it out for what different organisations need and give it to organisations who are already doing that sort of coalface work with people who are vulnerable in our community. So we're really there to support um, community organisations that are doing really amazing work in our communities. Amazing. And so was there a bit of a light bulb moment when you suddenly thought, I want to do this? How did it actually start? How did it come about? So you mentioned 2014 was when we started, but it all started for me um, earlier in 2013. And I was reading uh, a magazine article and it was about food rescue and I'd never heard of the concept of food rescue before and I was really fascinated by it. And then I got completely floored when I read um, some of the statistics and the one that just absolutely kind of put me over the edge was the fact that a third of the food that is produced for human consumption globally goes to waste. That was the light bulb moment for me. It was just incredible and I just couldn't believe it that we have so many people in this world who are struggling to get food on their tables for their families, but we waste so much of it. It just seemed completely wrong on so many levels. 
And the article was talking about Kaibosh and Wellington, which is New Zealand's first food rescue organisation. And it was also talking about um, City Harvest in the United States in um, New York City. And that was kind of one of the very first food rescue dedicated organisations in the world. So it was a fascinating article. And it just it started me off on this track of finding out what food rescue was. Amazing. I just, that just makes me so, oh, I just the feeling of, of that much food in the world being being wasted. What a, oh my gosh, those numbers are incredible. For, for the supermarkets, do they, are they all, do you just make an agreement with them that you'll come and pick up sort of, um, I assume what would be best before date food or? How? Yeah, so we have a little bit of a, a sort of food waste criteria information that we give them so there's you know we won't take anything that's past its use by because that's usually related to food safety but we do take things that are getting close to its best before or a little bit past its best before depending on the product because that's usually just talking about the food quality not the safety and it's usually fine to eat so um and then when it comes to fruit and vegetables obviously you know they don't know what to have best before on them which we don't want them to have on there because you know we need to make those choices ourselves by checking them out, making sure they're going to be okay for consumption, which is quite a, um, a can be quite an individual sort of opinion, really. So it is, it can be quite varied as to what food people think they could eat and what they couldn't. So we, we try to do, um, you know, good training with our volunteers to give them an idea of what is acceptable food to give to our recipient organisations. And then also, try to encourage our supermarkets in the same way but that yeah they're great everyone's just um yeah so supportive of what we do it's awesome amazing and do you feel like there's like an overabundance of food is there like is there enough yes there is an abundance of food um we are able to distribute pretty much all the food that we get very seldom do we have too much that we can distribute but you know sometimes we do get a glut of bread there is often a lot of bread um, but really that would be the only product that we ever get too much of we're able to distribute everything else um, and, it, and it does seem to be that the longer we do this the more food we find and it's you know not just us this is across New Zealand there's there is so much food that can be diverted to organizations like us. Amazing. And do you approach like um, orchards for stone fruit that's not um, good enough for export quality or, you know, supermarket consumption? If there's a small bruise on it, do you can you actually go and collect the fruit or? Yeah, so we do. We try to work with local growers and, and even domestic, uh, you know, people who have really, you know, good veggie gardens or little orchards. So we let them know that we will come and pick their fruit, particularly for domestic um, people, you know, particularly elderly people who may be struggling to pick their fruit trees. We we really would like to be able to sort of increase that side of what we do, but, uh, you know, we get busy, but we do love being able to do that. And certainly things from growers that may not be able to be up to standard to be in a, on a supermarket shelf or to be exported, we take. We there's a new organisation that's been set up to support food rescue organisations in New Zealand, and it's called the New Zealand Food Network. And they're doing amazing work at sort of the next level up of talking to all the large growers around New Zealand and the large wholesalers to get that food that, you know, cancelled export orders, things that aren't quite good enough for 
uh, sale in the supermarket, things that uh, getting close to use by best before preferably close to best before and haven't been able to be moved on and they're sort of, they're sort of working as that next level up logistics organisation to bring that food through and then distribute it out to all the different food rescue organisations in New Zealand and as a result and this kind of got started in, um, during COVID last year in the first lockdown as a result the amount of food that we've been getting coming through to us has increased markedly and it's just been fantastic so yeah they're doing awesome work. I think it's an education process as well just communicating it to people and knowing how to be involved as well. We, we got about you know um eight citrus trees and the lemons are just falling off. This is there's just no way anyone will eat that many lemons, for instance. Like could could I call someone up and say, do you want do you want like five boxes of lemon? Oh absolutely. And people do this all the time. And you know, people do it with their local food bank. They'll just take a bag of lemons or apples or silver beet and they'll drop it off at their local food bank and we if your food bank is willing to take that stuff then absolutely um, encourage people to do that if the food bank in your area would prefer that you went via your local food rescue organization then do that and check that the food rescue organization will take those domestic offerings and getting things donated from individuals is just so lovely because there's such a, there's usually love associated with it you know they're really wanting to help and that food's been grown by them with you know love and dedication and it's just so lovely to then be able to hand that on to people who need it you've built the organization to be quite quite a big thing Philip, which is amazing how many people would you help sort of on a daily or weekly basis it's always a difficult question because yeah. we're not helping you know we're not actually on that coal face and and you know we put our funding applications we get asked this question all the time and so for us it's, and we do ask our, our, our you know the community organizations that we support we regularly ask them to give us the feedback too and I think I'm going to going to be putting an estimate out there but I think an estimate is about a thousand people a week and I mean we're and we're quite little as far as food rescue organizations go across New Zealand you know there's much bigger ones that have a much greater reach than we do but we're still really proud of you know what we're able to accomplish and the impact that we're having in our local community for sure. Does this take up your whole week or is, have you got other other things no. that you do. <laughs> so yeah, so Satisfy is kind of my side sort of thing. But yeah, I, I have a day job, which I work three days a week as uh, a road asset management engineer, sort of maintaining the um, highways and um, Canterbury. So that's basically what supports me to be able to do my two days a week focused on um, Satisfy. You fix roads and then on the side you help about a thousand families a week. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's a weird combination. At Good Change Store, we have designed beautiful and sustainable cloths for your home. They began as a vehicle to help lead social change. We are here to inspire and help people make small changes for a better world. Start with your kitchen and clean with prettier cloths that care about your bench as well as the environment. You know, there's um, it's one thing to just go out and make a whole lot of money and um, come home at the end of the day, and and that's that's the end of it. But to be able to be doing something that you're really passionate about, and um, they they say that it's actually connected to overall happiness and well-being. Do you, you do you feel that real connection when you're going out and doing this amazing um, charity work? 
I definitely agree with that. I, I I don't think I'm one of these people who has that kind of pursuit of happiness. I'm definitely more for that sort of fulfillment and satisfaction, um, maybe, you know, looking for joy. But I, yeah, I, I sort of definitely sort of move away from that pursuit of happiness side of things. But I definitely agree that when you do things that are you're passionate about, particularly when you're doing things that you're passionate about that are beyond yourself. So things that you are using your passions to help others or to help the environment that you're, the world that we're in, then it's kind of helps put into perspective your life, I suppose, and then also feeds into your own satisfaction and your own fulfillment. So, yeah, it's got that sort of double, positive double way of working. I mean, we talk about it at Good Change because we're all about, you know, we sell products, but they're like a um, a vehicle for doing good. So um, mm. part of our organisation is we're, we're trying to encourage good changes and that all those little small changes build up into something a whole lot bigger yeah. but um, thinking yeah. in your organization you've got all these people doing something good and and the energy just must be electric in terms of the the, the positive charge that you get yeah it is and that's you know it's interesting i chose the name satisfy for the organization because when i chose the name we weren't actually operating and my thoughts were that that um, satisfaction would be for the people who we were providing food for and then we had our first food donation and you know at that point it was pretty much just me picking the food up and you know distributing it and at the end of that day of distributing the food I was like oh hang on a minute that name wasn't just for the people who are getting the food actually it's it's for me too like it was just such a sense of satisfaction and and over and over again when we're talking is always a play on words you know we're always using the words satisfy or satisfaction and and it's you know everyone gets that in our organization that it's not just the people we're serving which is amazing that we're able to serve them and provide satisfaction and you know to satisfy people with food but to know that we're able to satisfy ourselves as well is is really cool um so Philippa if our listeners were to take three things away um you know that might be able to help them follow their true passions and really make a difference have you got sort of some key pointers that they can just sort of key tangible things they can grab hold of from today's discussion yeah I think for me one of the a really important piece of advice I got a few years back actually quite early on in the sort of my satisfied journey was to kind of reflect on what your passions actually are. And a really good way to do that is to think about what you loved or what you were really into when you were like between eight and 12 years old in your formative years. And to go back to that time, which is actually quite hard for some people to go back and remember that. But if you sort of take a little bit of time and think about it and even, you know, talk to other people who were around you at that time, and you'll probably find that those things are still the things that you're passionate about. And if you're not kind of operating in those areas anymore or feeding into those areas anymore, thinking about how can you change that? And in particular, how can you change that so that you're feeding into that passion outside of yourself? 
by helping other people because that's gonna what's gonna make the biggest difference to your own life. It's amazing to work with your passions if you just for yourself too. Like my husband, he's a, well myself too. We're you know we're passionate about skiing and we have been. We were at that age too, but you know just to just be passionate about skiing for ourselves doesn't do a lot for the world you know we have taught people to ski which is I suppose great to share that passion but you know to take it further and think of for me when I was that age I was really passionate about the environment and really passionate about women's rights and I that hasn't changed it's still what I'm passionate about and and, and so satisfied for me brings together two quite disparate things that I'm passionate about you know looking after this world and looking after vulnerable people and it's just such a beautiful thing and so spending time to reflect on that and finding those things that you are passionate about and then making some steps to actually do something about it whether it means that you're volunteering at an organization giving money to an organization you're passionate about or you know starting your own movement starting your own company like you guys have you know, it's and it doesn't have to be big things it can just be little things too so Hmm. Amazing. I would, um, yeah, suggest those, those things. Excellent. Yeah, it's been really great. Yeah. Your insights and what, like your journeys of where you, you know, and why you're doing this today, because it's such a big um, sacrifice on you, not sacrifice, but it's a big amount of time for you as a person to take out on, on, on non-profit work that you're not getting mm. paid for. And just really, you know, why are we not all, do, doing that you know you're, you're you're out of the box because you actually you're so passionate about it and you do it you you have your daytime job to to, to balance it out obviously but um it's, it's pretty unique to actually have that passion and to, to give so much of yourself for for the greater good which i find really inspiring yeah and i, I don't i couldn't exactly articulate why i do it um because you know every now and then you do sit there and go man if I'd put all this time into you know setting up a, a company maybe I'd be you know reaping the rewards from a monetary point of view but I I think um, I've never had a real focus on um, financial sort of gains and and that's probably part of it um, I'm a very frugal person and um, and yeah, so it hasn't been one of my sort of goals in life. It, it, you know, my goals have been to, not that I'm really hugely goal orientated, but it's sort of more sort of world sort of view type things of that it's about family and about, yeah, I think I'm, you know, more about awesome experiences rather than, um, you know, lots of money and and helping others and, and just making the world a better place, really. I'm I just think we all have such a big part to play in that. And if we're all able to do it a little bit towards it, it just makes such a difference. You know, it's, yeah. it's you kind of want to get to the end of your life and feel like you've done something to make the place a little better. Absolutely. And they say that there's a, a pinnacle that you can get to in terms of monetary rewards. It doesn't actually make you any happier. You climb up the happiness mm. out to whatever, $80,000 or whatever. And uh, yeah, you don't get any happier. Uh, um, thank you, Philippa, uh, founder of Satisfy Food Rescue. We're really grateful for your time today and uh, not just good conversation, but really, really great conversation. So thank you very much for, for joining you, us. Yeah. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been so lovely talking to you both. Um, really, really enjoyed it. 
Thank you for listening to our Good Change Conversations. We hope you are walking away feeling excited and inspired by those doing good things. Keep coming back. We have so much more we want to tell you.